I really think we should be looking more at direct mail. I think a lot of people aren't doing it, so it's a great way to stand out and grab attention. You just have to know whether or not your clients are going to be in their office. Because if you send it to a client who's working remote, well, they're not going to get it. But I don't think it's dead. Welcome to Insights, tips and best practices from the insiders at Haley Marketing. Insights will provide you with the tools you need to master your social media, digital marketing, and employer branding. Your hosts for Insights are Brad Biley and Matt Lozar. What's up? This is Brad Biley and welcome back to another episode of Insights, the podcast built to help you with your recruitment and digital marketing. As always, I'm joined by Haley Marketing's Director of Recruitment Marketing. He's Matt Lozar. Matt, how are you feeling this week, buddy? We're doing well, Brad. How are you? I am fantastic, Matt. Lacrosse is back. Uh, the weather in Buffalo, it's like 50-something degrees today as we record. It's an incredible day. Incredible weekend. Lacrosse is back. I don't know if you caught any NLL action. I'm sure you didn't. It was electric, though. Electric weekend of lacrosse. It's interesting. I did not catch lacrosse, but it, it's very... It shows your background because you and friend of the show, Brad Smith, major into lacrosse this weekend. Yeah. Matt, major into college football this weekend because I grew up in Northeast Ohio where college football is big. You grew up in Western New York. Lacrosse is very big. So it's, it's very interesting to me to see how I mean, it's simple, nature versus nurture, but it's a prime example. Matt, what do you say? You want to get to the show? Let's go. At this time, we'd like to welcome on Becca Cerns, Haley Marketing's Director of Creative Services to Insights. Becca, how are we doing this week? I'm good. How are you? We are fantastic, Becca. Great to have you on the show. Great to have you on Insights. For our listeners who might not be familiar with who you are and what it is that you do here at Haley Marketing, why don't you let us know who it is that you are and what you do to help our team and help our clients? Hi, I'm Becca Cerns. I'm the Director of Creative Services at Haley Marketing. You might recognize the last name. Uh, David and Vicky are my parents. I've been working at Healy Marketing for the last eight years, and I actually started as an intern when I was in high school. Uh, I'm now the Director of Creative Services, and I ensure the quality of Healy Marketing Creative Services, uh, making sure that we're providing world-class, easy, and affordable solutions for our clients. I also oversee the design and user experience of all of our Healy Marketing products. And that's really what we're going to be talking about all day this episode. We're talking about user experience. We're talking about design trends. We're also going to lean on Becca for some support here in how to be better at working remote. It doesn't seem like that's going anywhere. And Becca is a three-year digital nomad, has traveled the world while still working for Haley Marketing. So we're going to get some great tips from her on how to be just a little more efficient and maybe just a little better at working remote. So hey, let's get to the show here. Becca, when we think about user experience, we think about candidate experience in 2022, what are you seeing as you look at creative services now in 2021 that we might be able to lean into for 2022 so that as we're looking at websites, as we're looking at design, we can have a better user experience, a better candidate experience in 2022? Yeah. So there's a, a couple of things. I think with COVID um, and a lot of people being forced home, websites, digital is more important than ever. Um, you look at Black Friday, this last Black Friday, and more people are shopping online. Um, right. And I even looked at our, our job board stats and 61% of traffic was mobile. So mobile is going to be even more important moving forward and, and really starting with them last year. Becca, when you're looking at, obviously you talk about mobile, it's not going away. But one of the trends in the beginning of the pandemic, I felt like was desktop was coming back. But now I think mobile starting to skew back to where it was, you know, 2020 at beginning of 2020. How how from a user standpoint do you 
build websites, build digital to adjust and account for those quick shifts in behavior. Because if you build something for mobile and all of a sudden a decent percentage of people are now shifting to desktop, how do you create that user experience so that it's still very effective, engaging on both types of devices? I really think it's taking a look at both devices and seeing what's going to work best on both and seeing how you can incorporate both of those ideas into the website. I, it's really easy to kind of hide things on mobile. So mobile, you really want to be simple. So short, shorter applications, not as much things in the way, no pop-ups or fly-ins and really allowing them user to really quickly get to whatever it is their goal is. But you can add more of that back in on desktop and let those things kind of have a little more fun with it. And I think keeping it simple on mobile and it's really easy to hide some of those things going back and forth. We talk about reducing friction quite a bit on insights. We've mentioned it on a few shows now, Matt and I have talked about it and, and really it's Amazon's fault. You know, you think through how easy it is to buy something on Amazon. You can have a product here in just one swipe and it's super easy to order. They save all your data. They know exactly what it is that you want, when you want it. And it comes here, you know, basically tomorrow. Um, Becca, from a mobile experience, when we think through the application process, uh, I can see some clients struggling with the thought of simplifying uh, an application on mobile uh, because maybe you're not getting a, a clear insight into who the candidate really is. Any concerns with really reducing the application or reducing a website for the mobile experience in 2022? You really have to think about how you're doing it because um, there are some concerns in getting rid of parts of your story, parts of your application that you might need in other parts of your business. But reducing that friction and making it a lot easier for candidates to apply, I think in the long run will have a bigger impact because you'll get, be getting those candidates to apply. If your application is too long, they're probably not going to finish fitting it, filling it out and you're going to lose that can, potential candidate. I'm all for that. I think if we can get people to apply and then follow up with them to get the more information that we need, I would take that any day of the week over having somebody leave and go to my competitor. Um, Becca, I know one thing that we love on desktop is things like calls to action or fly-ins or call-outs, things that sort of feed into that ADD nature of, hey, I'm looking at a website, bright, shiny object. Now I'm looking at that and I'm going to a different page. What can we do on mobile to sort of have that same impact? Or should we have fly-ins on the mobile experience? What, what's your take on that? So I personally don't like fly-ins on mobile. I think it creates a frustrating user experience when all of a sudden something flies in and then you can't no longer see what you were looking at. Um, I'm a big fan of doing more uh, inline calls to action. So whether it's in the middle of your page rather than just being at the bottom of all the content and kind of intertwining it with the rest of the content on the page, I think that's a really good way to kind of still draw attention, but not have it getting in your way when you're trying to look at something on mobile. That's interesting. It's almost like putting an ad on your mobile website, sort of like an ad that you would read in a blog article on Inc or Forbes or Entrepreneur or even Facebook, right? You're scrolling through Facebook and then all of a sudden there's an ad that sort of stops from what you were looking at before. You're hit with an ad, you continue on with your experience. That's super interesting. And something that, that I don't know that we've talked about on Insights before is almost having built-in ads on your website, your mobile experience to drive people to key pages. Um, my wheels are turning thinking about how beneficial that could be for things like content, for blogs, for eBooks, for uh, long form articles, short form articles, having instead of you know losing that call to action because we don't have a sidebar on mobile, instead actually building in some sort of, I'm going to call it an ad to drive people to a job order, drive people to take action. Um, super, super interesting thought. I really, really like that. When we think about 2022, anything else that we should be 
educating and in, in, in just listening to your expertise on um, for user experience. You know, what else can we do to make sure that the candidate has an incredible experience with us every time they hit our website? One other thing is to make more personalized experiences. It's a lot easier for us to build websites and personalize the experiences than we could in the past. So whether that's like Spotify offering you songs that you might like based on your listening habits or for staffing, offering candidates related jobs that fit your skill sets already um, and things along those lines. I also wouldn't be look only at digital. I'd look at like direct mail and how you can intertwine that with your website and your digital. Because if you know that a client is at their office, sending them a piece of direct mail and driving them back to your website is going to be a really great way to grab attention because not a lot of people are doing that right now. My head is is sort of instinctively going to content again here, but thinking through if you have a blog article on you know trends for light industrial workers in 2022 and at the end of that article having five light industrial jobs that people can apply to. Uh, and, and drastic extreme, you know, let's say you're in nursing and light industrial, you don't want to have nursing jobs at the bottom of that article because there's no consistency, there's no cohesion there. But if you're talking about salary trends for a very specific role, welding, let's just make it easy there, having welding opportunities right under that where, hey, I'm reading about salary, okay, now I can apply. And it's a super easy flow and process. I really like that thought, Becca, uh, that you alluded to. And and again, I I sort of instinctively always go to content. Um, I also like the thought of bringing back direct mail. And Becca, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this: Is direct mail dead, or should we be looking at more direct mail for 2022? I really think we should be looking more at direct mail. I think it, a lot of people aren't doing it, so it's a great way to stand out and grab attention. You just have to know whether or not your clients are going to be in their office. Because if you send it to a client who's working remote, well, they're not going to get it. But I I I don't think it's dead. And I think most offices at least have somebody from the admin team there. Somebody's getting mail, right? And, and Matt, you actually mentioned this on an episode maybe a couple of weeks ago. It, gosh, it might have been a couple of months ago at this point. But you had talked about direct mail and, and the thought of, you know, somebody's got to get your mail. Even if you're not at the office, it's going somewhere. Um, Matt, are you seeing from recruitment marketing standpoint, direct mail coming back um, to, to really try to drive more job orders, I guess would be from that standpoint, right? We're not saying direct mail to our candidates. We talked about in the beginning of the pandemic, wasn't that long ago when we probably said this, but somebody has to go get the mail at the office. You know, David's talked about that, our CEO, a lot, and that CEO still went to the office. Like outside of staffing, I know a guy, one of the fathers of one of my daughter's friends, he's never left the office. He just kept going. Mail has to go there. Like we're not a digital mail world. So it could be definitely a way to get job orders. And I'm sure you could spin it to the candidate side. Kind of surprised indeed isn't isn't sending direct mail anymore because they seem to be on every freaking commercial everywhere that indeed, and both sides, candidate and client, which is interesting, but you could probably spin direct mail just as a as an awareness piece. Say, oh, you know, another touch point for Indeed or Amazon because it takes a lot of money if you're going to have a huge market. You could be really targeted with your list, but um, it could definitely work just because in the business side, somebody has to get the mail at the office. They physically have to do it. And on the candidate side, I'm sure you could spin it into a huge drop in a local market. You need a big budget, but it's a touch point. If it works really well, I'm sure Becca would say, design it really well, have a QR code or something you could link the ROI to to make sure direct mail work with a nice landing page that she designed and all that stuff. We just tied it all together and sounds really cool. Matt, you mentioned QR codes. I almost texted you last night. I was on my way home. Wife was driving. I was not driving at the time. 
and an Amazon truck had a giant QR code on the back of it to apply. Like from a user experience, who in their right mind is scanning that QR code while doing 65 down the throughway? It's it felt like such a forced effort at hey apply for this job. I I tried to take a picture of it, Matt. It came out super blurry. That's why you didn't get it. But I love the thought of a, a QR code if it's placed in the right spot and it's utilized effectively. You know, we've we've all used QR codes at least recently, looking at menus, looking at drink lists because restaurants brought them back because we couldn't touch anything for a year and a half, right? So we used our phones. People know how to use QR codes. Maybe don't put it on a billboard though. Maybe don't put it on your social media post. Maybe don't put it on a moving vehicle. Um, that seems like it's not the best idea. Was it an 18 wheeler or a van? It was a van. It was a delivery truck. Maybe the only way I could spin this is that delivery truck stopped outside my house. Well, it seems like every day right now in the holiday season, but it does stop when somebody drops off the packages, but that seems really... Can I get a disclaimer then? Like, don't scan right. while driving. Can I get some sort of... Just It just feels like an accident waiting to happen. Yeah, we're trying to thread the needle here with... We don't want people scanning at 65 miles an hour, and you have to have the right person walking by at the right time to scan the code if they're stopped in a neighborhood. So, we, But we digress. So I'll say that. I don't like the QR code there. I do like that Amazon sends me a postcard every other week about seasonal work. Now, I don't want to go work at the new Amazon factory outside of Buffalo, New York, but I'm sure there are hundreds of people that do. And they're going direct to candidates, direct to individuals to try to get people to apply. How can we do that? How can the staffing industry do that? I think is something that we should absolutely look into for 2022. Becca, let's change topics here. So we talked about building a better user experience in 2022. I want to get your thoughts on design trends to look out for in 2022. You look at a ton of design work for staffing and recruiting, and also just in research, looking outside of the industry as well. When you think of what we should be doing from a design standpoint in 2022, where do we get started? Yeah. Uh, one of the things I noticed, and this is something I spotted several years ago, but have really seen start to take foot in the last year is kind of a resurgence of 90s web design. So way back in the 90s on the World Wide Web and we're ju- was just starting, it was a lot of creators, grassroots creators, creating whatever they could possibly do, just kind of testing the limits And then we developed over the years, a lot of structure behind and rules behind how we design websites, how we design. And I think in the last most recent year, kind of been looking back, understand those rules now, throwing them out the window a little bit and having a little bit more fun with what we can do with websites, not having to stick to those same grid structures we've been doing for years. And I I think we'll see more of that in the next year and seeing more of what we can do in terms of design with websites and, and other materials. I love when our design team, our web developers, uh, even our PMs, when we're thinking through websites, I love when we push the envelope for a client. Um, and I know some clients want us to stay within a structure, stay within a very strict template. And, and I, I personally think we put out a better product and I think a client gets a better result when they're up for the challenge of saying, listen, let's be different. Let's be unique. And I love that, that you're on the show here today to say, listen, you need to do that more. Um, you know, your website doesn't have to look like every other staffing firm's website. Just because you're in the same industry as them, as other competitors, doesn't mean your website needs to look like their website. Be you, be unique, be different. I love that thought. Becca, one thing that Matt and I talk about on Insights quite a bit is pushing the employer brand of staffing firms across social media. 
So how can we make sure that a staffing firm is showcasing who they are, what makes them unique, why Becca Cerns, the candidate, should work with Brad's staffing firm instead of Matt's staffing firm, even though they're both qualified. When you think about design trends on social media, how might we be a little more edgy or even effective in 2022? I think a a big thing with graphics on social media is really showcasing the personality of your brand. So I've been working on some new graphics for the Haley Marketing brand and just having a lot of fun with these funny stock photos and really engaging copy that just grabs your attention and kind of draws you into the post. And I think doing more of that and really showcasing whatever you want your brand's personality, your staffing brand's personality on your social media really helps to capture that attention. I couldn't agree more. I think you need to push the envelope on social. You need to be exciting. You need to be entertaining. You know, when you think about the core reason of social media, it's an escape. People have jobs, they have lives, they have a ton going on. They go to a site like Facebook or Twitter to escape all of that for 10 to 15 minutes, maybe an hour if they get down some sort of rabbit hole. But your content needs to be engaging, exciting. It needs to captivate their attention. We can't just have another, hey, apply online today or now hiring sign on social media. We need to have some sort of unique creative that captivates attention. So people say, hey, I do want to check out Becca's staffing firm. This is exciting. This is fun. Yes, we understand that you also need to stay in a lane and, and match your brand and match your brand voice. And that's exactly what Becca's alluding to as well. You know, if your brand isn't the edgy Wendy's of social media, that's okay. You know, stay in your lane and understand who it is that you are, what makes you unique, what makes you exciting, and lean into that employer brand on social. Uh, we've talked about uh, my personal branding talk a couple times on Insights, uh, where I say online is just an extension of who you are offline, and your social is just an extension of who you are offline as well. So if you're thinking about design for 2022, I echo what Becca said. You know, push the envelope, think about trends that worked in the past, how you could be a little different, how you could be a little unique. And do your best to challenge yourself to think outside the box and not look like every other staffing and recruiting firm. Becca, we want to talk to you about working remote. So you've been a digital nomad for three years, and you were really working remote before working remote was cool. And when you think about Healy Marketing basically being remote until further notice, we've worked from home now or worked from wherever for you know about a year and a half. Um, I think you are the best resource for how to do this. Uh, and I want to give you the opportunity really to share some insights with our listeners. If you're still working remote, Becca's the perfect resource here. Um, Becca, first off, let's let's back up. I got away from myself for a little bit. What is a digital nomad? Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, a digital nomad is someone who travels while working remote. Um, it varies based on the person. So what I usually do is I'll live somewhere in a for a month at a time, month, two months, and then I'll move on to the next place. Um, in 2019, I was in something like 15 different countries over the year, um, just traveling and working and experiencing different parts of the world. So since 2019, and I know there's a little gap here because of COVID that you came back to Buffalo. Um, since 2019, you're hopping all around the world and working with our clients, working with our team without skipping a beat. Was that a difficult change for you? Or how did you find a schedule that that fit what you were doing? So that, I mean, obviously you want to go sightsee as well. How do you find a good schedule in working remote and stay consistent and stay dedicated to 
actually working while you're in these really cool locations? It's really difficult to figure out how to do that. And it definitely took me some time to get into that. And I'm, I'm still not perfect. I'm still learning. Um, I think structure is really one of the biggest things that has helped me, um, making sure that you have set hours that you're working, uh, regardless of what time zone you are, making sure that you know, you're starting the day kind of the same way and you have systems in place that allow you to work your best no matter where you are. One thing that I've learned in working remote here for like a year and a half or two years, almost whatever it might be, is the the need to over-communicate. Now, you, digital nomad in Africa, wherever it might be, uh, I assume it'd be the same, right? Any lessons or tips that you can give our listeners in just how to over-communicate without maybe you know, exhausting your team. Uh, one thing that I think is a challenge is you want to over-communicate, but you don't want to be on 48 Zoom calls a day. So how do you over-communicate without over-communicating? That's also a tough a tough one that has taken a while to learn, but it, it's a matter of, kind of seeing it in a couple of different channels. And a lot of times I'll throw a Slack message and also an email just so they get it. I don't think you need a Zoom call for everything, but sometimes something will take like 15 minutes. There's no reason. You can just hop on Zoom real quick and uh, just talk it out really quick. It also gets you more connection with your teammates when you are able to do that from time to time. I think that's the important part. You know, Working remote, you lose that human interaction. You lose that organic conversation that happens just by sitting next to somebody in a you know conference room or sitting next to somebody at their desk. Um, being intentional with everything you do, I think it's critical in working remote. Becca, give us a power rank here. Top three places that you've gotten to work from in your last you know, three-year experience being a digital nomad. Oh, that's a tough one. There's so many great places to pick from. Uh, Cape Town, South Africa is one of my favorites. Absolutely love it. It's a beautiful country, easy to work from. Um, Japan is another one that is much more difficult when you're working US hours to work from, but it's an incredible country and definitely a great place to experience at some point in your life. And then anywhere in Europe, for the most part, I love working those hours, especially when I'm working East Coast. Um, I get my mornings to kind of do and explore. And then I work into the evening, afternoons and evenings. How about the worst? Any locations that just didn't have like Wi-Fi or, you know, you wanted to work, you were ready to get going and just couldn't? Any frustrating experiences that way? There's been a handful of like third world countries that I've been in. Um, They're amazing places to visit, but sometimes the infrastructure is not quite there. I had an experience. I was down in Mexico last year, actually, and there was hurricane season and we lost power which meant that I couldn't really work the next day. And, and that was definitely a challenge. Yeah, vacation day that day. Yep. Becca, any other tips in working remote that you've learned in being a digital nomad for three years? You mentioned it before, but making really making sure you're intentional about what you're doing and uh, making sure you're intentional about when you're doing it, how you're doing it, communication, and not overworking. I think that's a big one. It's really easy when you're working remote and even when you're a digital nomad in these amazing places to spend all day working and forget to go and do anything else. I think that's probably um, one of the most important things. That seems like a challenge if you're not traveling. One of the pieces of you know, just feedback you read a lot is it has to be a physical choice to walk away from your desk and stop working because it's right there. I mean, yeah, it's, 
you have to make a conscious effort. It's almost like having that structure in your day. Like you talked about Becca at the start of the day, maybe at the end of the day, just walk away, close the laptop or turn them like physically do something that you would have done at work. Because again, if you're in Italy, you want to go out and explore you know, all the different neighborhoods or whatnot, whatever city you're in. But even at home, it's, oh, I got to work 9, 10, 11 hour days because people expect it. I don't have to commute, et cetera. When really, you know, if your work day is done, physically try to make that conscious effort and have structure to leave. I joke it's a 10 second commute instead of a 10 minute commute, which our commutes here at Buffalo are pretty lucky to be short, but it's a physical difference. And some structure there could, that could be a lesson we learned from, from you, you know, wanting to go out and support the culture of an area, but also just on our normal day to day here in, in your traditional home setting. Having some sort of shutdown decompress, I think is critical. I don't think I've figured it out yet. Um, there's times where even if you're not working, your brain's still thinking about it. And, and Matt, I think what you alluded to is like that evening commute, that's the time to shut off, right? So if, whether you're listening to a sports co- podcast, you're listening to the radio, you're listening to music, whatever it might be, that's your 15 minutes before you shift from work to just life, right? And we have this like work-life integration, I think is the, the new buzzword that I hear a lot of people using is of work-life balance because everything's just integrated together, whatever you want to call it. I'm not here to talk about that. But, you know, for me, it's it's hard to shut down because, you know, I have a desktop upstairs. I have my laptop downstairs. I have everything on my phone. You have to have that conscious, okay, I'm done now. Let's do something else. I think it's also incredibly mindful. And Becca, you talked about um, in Europe, having your mornings to explore, have your mornings to do something else like having a routine of, okay, I'm going to go to the gym at six because that's going to start my day. I'm going to start my day at 8.30 with a cup of coffee, whatever it is, getting into that rhythm, whether you're in Europe or Buffalo, New York or Cleveland, Ohio, doesn't matter. You still need that balance. You need that structure. Otherwise, it's going to be super difficult to say, okay, it's work time. Becca, I want to thank you for coming on this episode of Insights and sharing your insights with us. If you have any questions on preparing a better user experience, design trends for 2022. If you're thinking about maybe redoing your website in 2022, you're thinking about just redesigning or or revitalizing your brand in 2022, Becca's a great resource. I would encourage you to check out her LinkedIn profile, connect with her on LinkedIn, shoot her a message. uh, And I know she'd be interested in, in having a good conversation with you about how we might be able to help you with your design or creative work in 2022 here at Haley Marketing. That's our show. And thank you for listening to another episode of Insights. If you found this episode valuable, we would love to know. You can message Matt or Brad on LinkedIn to share your thoughts. Have a question for us? You can tweet us at Haley Marketing and let us know what you're thinking or email info at HaleyMarketing.com. And of course, if you need a hand with your marketing or recruitment marketing initiatives, we would love to help. You can check out HaleyMarketing.com to get in touch with our team of marketing educators. My podcast partner, Matt Lozar, this is Brad Biley. We'll see you next time.